0: Good morning. Thankful to be here today, as uh, as Libby put it, as a guest preacher here at Vintage <laughs> Vintage Church Sunday Morning Gathering. I'm excited to be here today because um, this Psalm series has gotten me excited about preaching um, in this series. Um, I'm excited about the Word that we have today. Um, I can I can tell you. Uh, listening to that music, participating and singing that music helps out tremendously. And it gets me every time when we sing that last song. It gets me every time, to Wonders Here, I Must Confess, My Worth and My Unworthiness. And then especially, My Value Fixed, My Ransom Paid. Friends, I want to tell you as a side sermon and even a side series, because um, it's not even a part of the psalm series, necessarily, that if you are in Christ, uh, your value is Christ Jesus. The Lord God sees you as Christ Jesus, and so your value is fixed, not just, at, not just meaning you will never be as, you will never any be any better, or you'll be, never be any worse. It means that G- God sees you through the blood of Jesus, through the lens of Jesus, and therefore your value is fixed at redeemed by Jesus. And there's no greater message that you can hear for self-esteem, for self-awareness, for self-worth, for any feeling than that other than that your value is fixed in Jesus. And so whenever I hear that, I'm reminded of just how desperate I was and am and just how willing he is and forevermore will be to fill my desperation with joy and hope and love and purpose and passion and peace and all of those things that make us pursue him even more. I want us today to continue in our super somatic summer sermon. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up as I go. It's more funny if it doesn't make sense. And for some people, it's not funny at all, but still. Um, So anyway, we're going to continue in our Psalm Summer Series. And today, I want to speak to you specifically on one idea of the Psalms, and that is how we can use Psalms, and in general, the Bible, as a tool for prayer. And so today, I'm going to speak to you specifically about praying the Psalms. Praying the Psalms. I'm so thankful for our psalm series thus far, from the introduction by Stephen to the practical steps of cherishing the commands of God uh, given to us by Dr. Miller. This week we'll take another journey into the psalms and look at how the psalms and prayer are related. Truly what we find when we read the psalms and the other texts of Scripture is that the psalms were made to be read, they were made to be sung, And they were also made to be prayed. That the church is more fulfilled when we take the words of the men of God as they were given by the Spirit of God and when we pray them back to God. Stephen in his sermon briefly touched on these things um, as it concerns um, reading and singing and, and, and loving the Psalms. And Dr. Miller specifically focused on loving the Word of God and and how the Psalms points to loving the commands of God and cherishing the Torah, but not just the Torah, the, the entirety of Scripture. I must confess that I, I come to you today preaching this sermon. I'm excited about preaching this sermon, but i felt somewhat hypocritical about preaching the sermon. Because if there's any area of my life where I feel most inept, if there's any area of my life where I'm most embarrassed by other strong Christians, if there's any area of my life that I, that is glaringly, glaringly needs more improvement, um, like my conduct in elementary school, um, it is, it is prayer, it is prayer. And so I come to you and I feel somewhat hypocritical uh, to preach this sermon to you because I feel like this is something that I sh- constantly struggle with keeping strong consistency with praying selflessly and praying in the will of God. But I also must confess to you that as I was preparing for this sermon, uh, a blog post comes across my uh, comes across my Twitter feed that caught my eye, and it said, "Pastors preach." hypocritical sermons. I'm serious. I felt hypocritical about it, and a blog post came across my Twitter feed this week that said pastors preach hypocritical sermons. And one of the ideas was, first, don't be a hypocrite. Do your best not to be a hypocrite. Work to surrender to the Lord in all things. But one way to preach a sermon on something you struggle with and not be a hypocrite Is to admit that it's a struggle for you. So that's what I'm doing. I'm admitting to you that it's a struggle for me. I'm not trying to preach this to you and say I have it all together. You should have it all together. And I want you to know that every week, that's the way. That's if I don't say it every week, that's the intent behind my sermons. I don't believe that I have it all together. I think that there are some things that I do better at than others, but I don't believe that I have it all together. Regardless, one way to not be a hypocrite is to Admit that you don't have it all together. But another way is to just preach the Word of God faithfully, not leaning on your guilt, but leaning on the fact that if you preach and teach, that the message you preach will be preached back to you, and therefore you can receive growth, and you can receive truth, and you can receive understanding. So that the next time you hear or preach that message, maybe you won't be preaching it in such a hypocritical manner. I want to tell you honestly, if I didn't preach something that I struggle with, I would likely, there would not be much variation in my sermons. Likely it would be preaching on just a few subjects. And if you've been a part of a church long enough, you might have actually seen that. Honestly, it's another reason why we preach through the Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It's so the pastor's leanings and the pastor's ideology and the pastor's um, preferences don't get in the way of what we're doing. Which is ironic that I say that because that is not what I'm doing today. (laughs) I will say, though, to you that biblical prayer is one of the key aspects that all of us often keep out of our lives. Biblical prayer. And if we are praying, I would be willing to bet that our prayers are often self-centered or they even feel stale, often repetitive or boring. How many times have you gone to the Lord in prayer and lost track of your thoughts within five minutes or less of praying? How many times have you really been concerned about something or someone, and you were going to pray for them fervently, and you prayed for them today, and you prayed for them tomorrow, and then you sort of let it slip a little bit. Have we had or do we regularly experience deep prayer in our lives? How many times have your words of prayer turned to groaning or fasting because you were in such deep distress or spiritual torment over what you were praying about, that that is all you had left. Prayer is such a difficult subject because often we just don't know how to talk to God. We just don't know how to talk to God, and that's the truth. That's the truth for the vast majority of the church. We don't know how to talk to God. If I could point to a few reasons, and this isn't necessarily in my sermon, but if you hadn't heard these before, these might be good for you to sort of record and think about. One of the first reasons that we don't know what to pray is that we haven't been taught properly what to pray. Prayer, friends, is not just something that magically comes to you because you decide or because you surrender your life to the Lord and you repent and believe the gospel. Prayer, A strong prayer life is not something that magically comes to you. Prayer is a learned spiritual discipline. The disciples, before Jesus gave out the Lord's Prayer, the disciples said what? Do you remember? They said, teach us to pray. Teach me to pray. Prayer is a learned spiritual discipline. Oftentimes we are, we are not taught to pray, and that's why we don't know how to pray. We weren't taught because many people aren't or weren't discipling. And because many people who are discipling don't know how to pray themselves, I've been guilty of this. I think another reason that we don't pray or don't know how to pray is uh, I don't think uh, I think also that we don't know how to pray because we are taught the wrong way. We are taught the wrong way to pray, and and people say, "Well, there's no wrong way to pray." Well, in a general sense, that may be true, but. In a more specific and what honors God the most, it couldn't be more false. Because often we are taught to pray in a way that God hears us instead of us hearing God. That is the way that we are taught to pray. And if you didn't hear that, if you weren't paying attention, I want to repeat it so you can hear what I said. We are often taught to pray... Pleading and begging and, and, and whatever it may be so that God hears us. Make sure God hears you. When in fact, prayer is the means for Christians to hear God. Or, oftentimes, and I'm not saying it's not, people focus too heavily on the fact that prayer may be a special language or a special posture before the Lord. I've told you this story about friends of mine I had a Sunday school teacher growing up, and when he would pray in Sunday school and when he would talk to us in Sunday school, he would be normal, and this guy was a godly man, and I still look at him as an example. That's why I'm using his name today. He would be normal, Quentin Davis, when he would teach us in Sunday school, when he would pray. And he would get up to pray before the offertory in the church service, and he would say, O oh Lord, our Father who art in heaven, Thou art the greatest of all of the gods. And it's like he would begin to pray in King Jimmy English. And I'm like, brother, just go back to Sunday school language. Just pray in Sunday school language. Prayer is not a special language. It's, it, it's, not, about even, it's not always about a, a special tongue. It's not about a posture There's no posture for prayer. We don't have to be on our face. Although, when people are most reverent at times in the Bible, we see them on their face before the Lord. We're taught to pray the wrong way often. We think if we speak a certain way or in a certain setting, that things will change. We think that we're even to speak to God, that He will magically speak back to us. I think that's what most people are doing when they pray, right? You've been guilty of this, I know, because I have. You pray to God and you expect, you expect if not verbal, you expect it to at least feel verbal. You expect it to feel like God himself is face to face talking with you. We expect this magical revelation of God. Or we expect that our answer is that God gives us a sense of peace about the situation, which brings us to another thought. We don't know how to pray because we are taught to listen to God in the wrong way. We don't know how to pray because we are not taught. We don't know how to pray because we're taught the wrong way. We don't know how to pray because we're taught to listen to God in the wrong way. How many times have you been taught how to listen to God during your prayer life? You can probably name it on one hand, right? Maybe less. Maybe you can use a finger. Maybe you can use Two fingers to name how many times in your life, or maybe you can put up a big goose egg, how many times in your life you've taught, you've been taught to listen to God during your prayer time. I can't tell you how many times I've been told when I'm praying that the way to listen to God is to know, to know what God has for you is that you're going to experience a peace. And that's true, right? But that's all I've ever been taught about listening to God for the most part is that you're going to experience a peace, and that's true. I believe that with my whole heart that you experience a peace when you listen to God. But I want you to know something that is even more true. A sense of peace is not God's primary way of giving you answers to your prayers. A sense of peace is not God's primary way of giving you answers. To your prayers. I want to tell you something you might not have considered. Yes, peace is always a part of God's answers, but peace is really the last result in a line of answers to our prayers. Peace is what comes when we don't have any objective truths or objective answers to our prayers. The feeling of peace is what we rely on when God doesn't answer our prayers like we wished or like we hoped for or even in a way that we can understand. I would propose to you today that God has a more objective and definitive answer than just peace for the vast majority of your prayers. Now, peace is great. It's undeniably beautiful. There are times in your life where you can all you can point to is the fact that you didn't understand, you didn't know what was going on, but you had peace in your heart, and that was enough for you. I'm not trying to, um, I'm not trying to debate the importance of peace or, or to downgrade that in the, in level of importance in our life. But I would propose to you that God has a way of speaking to us that's more objective and more tangible than just a sense of, of peace. I would even propose to you that those answers are specific, they're timely and objective as it pertains to our situation and that God speaks to you in this way more than he does in the general sense of peace. And today I want to propose to you an idea that might strengthen your prayer life and might also get these specific and real answers to your prayers. This groundbreaking idea is that the Bible is not just intended to be read, sung, or preached, but that the Bible is intended to be prayed also. And that specifically today I want to spend our time focusing on how we can pray through the Psalms. You must know guys that this idea is not original to me, but I can tell you that every time I have Renewed the practice of praying through the Psalms and praying the Bible in general, my prayer life has been illuminated and renewed. Several years ago, Anna and I were at a marriage retreat in Hernando. It was uh, for all the newer church planters. And I think it was 2013 or 2014. And the guest speaker of that retreat was Donald Whitney. Now, I knew Don Whitney because I'd met him before, but also because in seminary, I read his book, Spiritual Disciplines. And it was at that point that I was first introduced to the idea of praying the Bible. But this weekend, he specifically laid out a plan for praying the Psalms that changed my perspective on prayer. Now before we get into that uh, discussion, I would suggest to you uh, his latest book. His latest book is called Praying the Bible. And uh, you can get it on Kindle for like five bucks or something like that, and it is life-altering, life-changing, amazing stuff, Praying the Bible by Don Whitney. I actually read that book, and I hadn't read it yet, but I read that book in preparation for this sermon, and again, I wasn't disappointed in what he was teaching. But Don Whitney spoke that weekend, and he outlined a way for Christians to pray through the Psalms, and I've spoken about this in the past at Vintage Church, so if you were here, you get to have a refresher on that, and if you weren't, Uh, you get to hear maybe something that you haven't heard to this point. What I want to do today, and I'm going to do this differently, I'm not even going to get to the Bible verse until the end, which I know is anti what I normally do, so you'll have to forgive me for one week or a couple weeks out of the year that that happens. And then I also want to point out some practical reasons while praying the Bible— is important. Praying the Psalms are important. Praying the Bible, praying the Psalms change our prayer life. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to point out those practical reasons and then together I'm going to show you how to pray, how to do this sort of praying through the Psalms and pray uh, through a psalm. So the first thing you need to see, practical reasons to pray through the Bible or specifically today pray through the Psalms, is that praying through Scripture gives us timely answers. I want to tell you, folks, there, have been, there has been time and time again where I've prayed a text of the Scripture, either through um, some sort of uh, program that I was doing or through random passages, and I was given the timely answers to my prayers. Today, is one of those instances. Today, according to Don Whitney's plan for praying through the Psalms, we would be praying through one of the Psalms we could have been praying through is Psalms 1. Now I'm not going to preach on that because Stephen already preached on that, but. Today we're talking about the importance of prayer in the Bible, about meditating on it, about making it a part of your everyday life. And Psalm 1 just happens to be, Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In whatever he does, he prospers. Just today is an example of the timeliness of God's Word in what we pray for, and what we hope for. But I can give you countless other examples of that timeliness, and I will give you one in a minute, or I'll go back to this. I want to give it to you right now, because it's coming to my mind right now. I remember when um, my my cousin's son was born, uh, Manning. Manning was in the Nick ICU at um, Baptist East, I think, whatever hospital he was at. And I remember sitting in the living room of my parents' house, and You know, I'm sure he was going to be fine, and he is fine. He grew up, he's grown up to be a great young man. But at the time, our whole family was worried and concerned and wondered about Manning. And at that time, the Lord brought to my mind Psalm 34. Psalm 34. And I still remember the gist of Psalm 34. I still remember the idea of Psalm 34. The Lord encamps around those that he loves. The idea of the Lord's protection, the idea that God is with us. And Psalm 34 was a timely answer to a timely prayer that our family had. Often the text gives us answers in a timely manner. One of the ways it does that is it gives us answers we cannot formulate We'll be praying through the Bible, and we'll see something, and the Lord will bring something to mind, something that we would not, might not have been able to formulate with our own minds. And all of a sudden, we're praying about something that we wouldn't have thought of if we had just sat there and thought about it for a little while. Because the Bible gave us this thought. The Lord gave us this thought through the Holy Spirit. Even through random texts, the Lord gives us timely answers. Even through unrelated texts, Sometimes I've been praying through the psalms and uh, something comes to mind and it's completely out of the context of what that psalm meant, but it was something I needed to pray for. And you know what? I don't say, well, this isn't the context of this psalm. I probably shouldn't pray for it. No, I go immediately into praying for whatever the Lord brought to my mind because of that psalm. So praying through scripture gives us timely answers. This next one is vastly important, and you need to hear it. Praying through Scripture initiates a two-way conversation. Praying through Scripture initiates a two-way conversation. People are starving to hear God speak through prayer. So they make up or they dream up visions and appearings. They prophesy about what God says or even prioritize different things over everything else as it pertains to God. But friends, there is a way to objectively hear from God. There is a, a way to objectively have a two-way conversation with God. And it is by praying through the Bible. It is by understanding the Bible. And not just in general, but by praying the Bible. The Bible is God is the God-breathed and Holy Spirit-inspired recorded words of God. When we pray the Bible, listen, the Lord speaks our heart to God and we hear the answers from God simultaneously. When we pray through the Bible, the Lord speaks our heart to God and he speaks back to us all at the same time. It is a two-way conversation. Friends, if you want to hear from God, don't just open your Bible and read it, but open your Bible and pray it. And the Lord will automatically speak to you in that two-way conversation of prayer and reading God's word. When we pray the Bible, the Lord speaks directly to our heart. The Lord speaks our heart to God, and we hear His answer simultaneously. It's a two-way conversation. Now, obviously, when I say simultaneously, we don't always hear the answer that we need right away. But for the vast majority of our prayers, for the vast majority, we will at least get some truth. We will at least glean some message from the voice of God. Of God. Not proposing to you that your deepest longings will be answered every time you open some random psalm. For whatever reason, friends, sometimes the Lord leaves questions unanswered for short times or even for lifetimes. But I am suggesting that the most effective and objective way to get answers from God is to speak and then listen. And the way we listen is by praying. Or at least opening His Word to see what He has to say. Therefore, I think praying through His Word is not the only way, but it is the most effective way to open a line of two-way conversation between you and the Lord. It's a two-way conversation. There's a third reason why we pray through the Scripture. Praying through the Scripture helps our prayers become more effective. At the beginning of the sermon today, I, pro- I proposed to you several problems in our praying, praying life, and, and one of those is that our prayers didn't feel effective, mostly because of our inability to sit for a few minutes without checking our phone or without thinking about something else. I mean, I can think of a thousand times where I've been praying, and I start praying for a specific person, and my next thing is to get on Facebook and to see how, what is the update of their prayer need. So in the middle of prayer, I'll pray for that person, and then I'll think, "Okay, I need to check on that person." So I'll stop prayer, and then at the end of checking on that person, and then a few other timelines, and then debating in a, and then debating in some sort of so, sort of form, I go back and I say, "Now what was I doing? What was I doing?" Now this has happened. This doesn't happen regularly because I would like to think my ADD is a little more controlled than that, but it doesn't happen regularly. But it's happened. So mostly because of our inability we have, uh, our inability to sit for a few minutes or to think and focus for a few minutes because we're so distracted by other things, our praying life is, seems somewhat ineffective. Praying through the Scriptures, though, helps our prayers become effective because it helps us focus on His Word. And then it helps us focus, because of that, on our words. It helps us to say things... And to hear what God wants us to hear Him say. There are a few reasons I think it makes prayer more effective. Number one is we don't ramble. We don't ramble. When we pray through the Scriptures, we pray through the verse. We we read a verse of the Psalms. We pray that verse. We stay on it as long as we need to. When we feel like we're done, we read the next verse. We pray on that verse. We stay on it as long as we need to. When we feel like we're done, we read the next verse. We pray on that verse. We stay on it as long as we need to. When we feel like we're done, we do the same thing and we repeat it and we repeat it. And then when we feel like we're done, we're done. And we find out that we've prayed for seven to ten minutes and we haven't rambled about one single thing. We haven't lost train of thought because the scriptures have been used as a guide to keep our thought and our minds focused on the task at hand. We don't ramble. It makes our prayers more effective because we remember the Scripture better. Just like I was saying earlier with Psalm 34. I remember that Psalm 34 promises me that the angel of the Lord encamps around those that he loves. I remember that Psalm 34 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all of my fears. I remember that because I remember praying for little Manning in my living room 12, 13, I don't know how old he is anymore. 10 years ago, 11 years ago, when he was in the Nick ICU. I prayed through that psalm that day with my family. And I've never forgotten the meaning, the gist of that psalm. My prayer life then had gotten more effective because it helped me remember the Word of God. Vastly important, friends, do not overlook what I'm saying here. We don't ramble. We remember the Scripture Better than just when we read it. And then C, uh, through God's sovereignty, we pray in His will. Friends, I want to tell you, as you're praying through the Scriptures, you tend to pray less about what you want and more about what God wants you to pray about. Through God's sovereignty, then, we end up praying His will. What we find is we pray less about the aches and the pains of personal, physical life, and we pray more about the aches and pains that are spiritual in our world and around us. We find that we pray less about the money situations, and we pray, less about the, we pray more about the spiritual debt of our friends and family. Our prayers become more in line with the will of God. Have you ever thought about your prayer life and thought, man, my prayers are so shallow, or they're so self-centered, I've noticed that praying through the Scripture eliminates some of that because the words of the text cause us to think about things other than just what's on our mind at the time. So think about that. You, the reason we pray more in the will of the Lord is when we go to the Lord in prayer, what do we often pray about? Do we often, think about? do we often pray about something that happened 20 years ago? Do we pray about something that might happen 20 years in the future? No, we pray about what's on our mind right then. And who loves you more than yourself? So often our prayers are more self-centered because we are thinking about ourselves when we go to the Lord in prayer. And therefore we pray a lot for ourselves. This is not always the case, obviously, but this is a problem. But when we go to the Lord with Scripture on the mind and Scripture on our tongue, then we can't help but at least to some degree praying more in the will of God. The last, the last thing that makes our prayers more effective is we are more engaged in our current sermons and studies. Friends, imagine if you had been praying through Exodus, the overall themes and ideas of Exodus as we were going through Exodus. It's not too late. I mean, you got a year and a half or so on that. You know, imagine if, we, if you were praying. I'm not joking. Imagine if you were praying through the exodus as we were going through the things in exodus and we we'll, i want to point that out in a minute so i'm not going to stick on that too much but imagine how much more engaged you would be in the sermon imagine if we were going through exodus 12 and you were thinking about the passover and it had caused you to pray for your friends friends and family that week who were not saved and then you got up here on sunday and you were sitting here and you were listening to me talk about the passover what would happen naturally as you were hearing that They would come back to your mind, and guess what? You would pray for them again, and you wouldn't have to say, oh, darn, I forgot to pray for so-and-so. No, when you connect those people in prayer, you will remember um, with the Scriptures, and in prayer you will remember to pray for them as those things come to mind. And I promise you, (coughs) if you pray about things through Exodus, I will remind you of those verses several times, so you won't have any problem remembering to pray for these people about a thousand times over the course of Exodus. But we're more engaged into our current sermons and our current studies when we pray through the scriptures. When we connect someone we love or something we love or someone we hate or something we hate with these words of the text of the Bible, we will remember, I promise you, you will remember that you prayed for that person for a lifetime when you connect it to the text. For a lifetime. How old is Manny? How old is Manny? 11? 12? 12, 12 years old the kid is. And I haven't forgotten Psalm 34. I haven't forgotten that day. I haven't forgotten what Psalm 1 did to me when I was praying through it. I haven't forgotten. And that will always be, make an impression on me for the rest of my life. I'm not saying every time you pray through a psalm that's the case. But I am saying... There's more chance that we will remember the word. There's more chance that the word will remind us of something we prayed for when we go when we combine them together than it is when we just do it out on our own in sort of a cavalier sort of way. Again, I want you to hear this. I'm not suggesting that praying through the scriptures, praying through the Psalms is the only way to pray. But it is a helpful way to pray. Now let's make this more practical. I'd like to look at some verses and do just what I'm asking you to do. But before, before we do that, I want to explain to, you, explain to you briefly a plan for praying through the Psalms. It's quite simple. So if you want to, just jot down a few notes or remember, try to remember this. Uh, I, think you can pretty, I think you can remember it pretty easily. I'm looking at my notes right now and I have trouble spelling Psalms because I misspelled it twice in a row. Okay, so there are 150 slams, according to my text. And each one of them, each one of them, with a P, each one of them has a, a spiritual truth that is vastly important to our life. 150 psalms. Now, this message, method I'm going to teach you uh, will help you to mine that truth out of the psalms. And it's quite simple. Here you go. This first part is not it, but this is the first part. Each day... Take a psalm and pray through it. That's the first part. Each day, take a psalm, one psalm, and pray through it. During that time, you pray whatever comes to your mind as you are reading that psalm. If it, do, it doesn't have to be within the context of the psalm, but just what God brings to your mind. You can stay on one verse and pray that verse until you can't pray anymore, and then you go. Or you can pray through an entire psalm, verse by verse. But pray what comes to mind as you pray that psalm. If the Bible says something like, or, or pray through the Scripture. If the Bible says something like in Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray, and you think about your lost dog or someone else, a friend or somebody who's lost a dog, pray at that time for that lost dog. But the Bible was talking about a sheep going astray. The Bible's talking about Christians falling away or or, or, um, or people abandoning God. Why would I pray for a lost dog? Well, because the Lord brought to your mind to pray for a lost dog at that point. So pray... For a lost dog. Or if you want to think about sheep shearing and how it's cruel to animals, pray against animal cruelty and how the Lord will take care of that. Whatever comes to mind. Or if you want to pray for a Christian who is in need of repentance, do that. But take each psalm a sentence at a time. Pause and see what comes to mind and pray. So, how do you select a psalm? This is the second part. The first part, pray through a psalm. Every day that you do this, every day that you want to do this. And the second part, how do you select a psalm? Now, this is the most challenging in part, in t- uh, part of the entire method, just because mathematically you may be uh, at Bryce's level as opposed to, like, you know, um, someone else's level. Uh, whatever, whoever. Um, I was thinking A Beautiful Mind. Uh, that, was the, that was the math level I was thinking about. Uh, so anyway, you, you might be at that level, but if you're at Bryce's level and you have trouble with simple math sometime... This is, that's the most difficult part. Here's how you do it. Today is July 1st. Guess what one of the psalms might be that you might pray through on July 1st? Psalm 1, the first one. Here's where the tricky part comes in. Here's where the tricky part comes in. There are 31 days in the month of July. So you take that one, and you add 31 to it, and the next psalm that you might pray on the first is... 40, exactly. 32. And then, guess what? There are 31 days. So you take that 31 days and you add it to 32. And the next psalm might be 63. You were close. And then the next psalm might be 94. And then the next psalm might be 125. So what you do is you skim through those psalms and then you pick one to pray. You just kind of look through it briefly and you pick one of those psalms to pray. And that is the method of praying through the Psalms, and it's crazy easy. So what I want to do today is I want to take one. I want to take one, and I want to do that with you today. I'm not going to pray through it, but I'm going I'm to do it like we would pray. And I want you to turn today to Psalm 122. When I was preparing this part of my sermon, it was the 29th, so I could use the 29th, I could use the 60th, I could use the 91st, or I could use the 122nd Psalm, and I selected Psalm 122 primarily because it was the shortest psalm. And I just wanted to give you a brief example. Um, Psalm 91 is my favorite of those, but it's very long, or it's a lot longer. So let's look at Psalm 122. And this is just sort of to lay out for you a brief way to pray through the psalm. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. For me, as I read that verse, I thought about our church gathering today when the saints of the Lord are gathered, and so I prayed for my church. I thought about other churches, so I prayed for other churches and other pastors as they were going to be meeting on Sunday. Um, I thought uh, about people who were not connected to the local church. So I prayed for people who I knew were not connected to a local church or people who had been connected to vintage and I knew weren't connected to a local church and they weren't a part of vintage. The word house, this is where it sort of gets out of the context a little bit. The word house for me brought up one personal for me and it was, you know, what Anna and I are currently dealing with in sort of our housing conversations and our next five years or whatever we're going to do as far as where we're going to live. So I prayed for those things. Moving along. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. My first thought on this was protection. So I prayed for my family and my church, and I asked for the Lord's protection over all of them. Also would pray for someone uh, who is sick. Uh, that came to mind, um, I guess, because of protection and prote- because of that idea. I can't explain exactly why it came to mind. Um, being within the gates also made me think of those outside of the gates. So I prayed for those who were outside of the walls of the city. In this instance, the walls of the city, the walls of the city of Jerusalem, symbolize those who do not know the Lord. So I prayed for unsaved people as I read that verse. Look at verse 3. Now, I might have, on a given day, I might have spent more time on one or the other, but I'm just trying to give you an example as we go on. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. Again, I thought about our church as we looked at this, and I thought about the unity. So I prayed for unity in our church. I prayed that we would be one and that we would be uh, of the same mind and we'd be of the same spirit and we'd be of the same mission. I also thought about the church nationally and how there's a bunch of infighting. So I prayed for unity for Christians of all backgrounds. Again, you can stop on one verse and spend the whole time praying. Um, or you can move on like we're going to do. Verse 4, To which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. When I say tribes, or when I saw tribes, I thought about the nations. And I would pray that God would give me a heart for the lost world. That he would give me a heart for those who were not saved. That he reminded me that Every tribe, tongue, and nation, like Dr. Miller said last week, every tribe, tongue, and nation would hear the word of the Lord. And so I was reminded that it's not only my responsibility to pray for them and hope for that, but it's my responsibility to proactively pursue the salvation of the nations. I also thought about the oppressed and the forgotten in this country, and that God, I prayed that God would give me empathy towards them, that God would not just say, well, it's not my children at the border that are being separated but God would give me empathy towards them. That God would allow me to hold to my political views or my personal views, but also still have empathy towards people I disagreed with. I also thought about the babies who are aborted and that God would put an end to the slaughter of humans in the U.S. and around the world. Verse 5, Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you? Peace be within your walls, and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be with you for the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your good. as i 've already prayed for sort of peace and security or security in uh, this passage, i didn 't pray for that again, but I thought about my own responsibilities and relationships as I read this, and I asked myself if I was being a person of peace or a person of pride and fighting. If people felt secure around me. If people thought that I was constantly seeking good. And then I prayed that God would make me a person who expects good out of people and looks for that instead of a person who looks for the bad. That God would help me to be a person who seeks peace instead of turmoil. That I would think on those things that are good and right and true and worthy of praise like Ephesians says. Now today I've given you just one example of ways that we can pray through the Bible, but, and specifically praying through the Psalms. But it isn't just the Psalms. Think about this. How many of these could have been done through Exodus? In Exodus 1, as you read about the enslaved and oppressed, who could you have prayed for? In Exodus 2, as you read about the slaughter of the firstborn boys, who or what could you have prayed for? In Exodus 3 and others, where we see the weakness of Moses' faith, how could that have changed your mind or influenced your prayers? When we read about the promise of deliverance in Exodus 6, or the power of God through the plagues in Exodus 7, to the Passover in Exodus 12, do you think you would have been more engaged in the Scriptures if you had prayed through them? Do you think your mind would have been more in tune on Sunday morning? Would the text have become more meaningful? Friends, I want to tell you the problem with our prayer life isn't necessarily the amount we pray. It isn't that the wor- uh, it isn't always the words or the focus or the lack thereof. The main problem we face in our prayer life is that we are aimed to speaking to God on our terms and not His. And when we reshift our focus to His Word and reprioritize our words to look like His, then we will undoubtedly revitalize our prayer life. And maybe just vitalize our prayer life in general if it's never been there. Friends, I want to encourage you today. We don't have to give up on prayer. We just have to give up on the wrong types of prayer. We need to double down our efforts to make our prayers more meaningful by making them more Christ-centered. And I think we do that in large part by praying through the Scriptures by focusing on the words of God as we talk to God and as we expect to hear from God. Would you commit with me today to being a person who who puts Christ's centrality in prayer above anything else? And I think you can do that by focusing on the words of God, by focusing on the gospel of Jesus as you pray through the text of Scripture. Pray with me today. Lord, you are good. Lord, and your angel encamps around those that you love. Lord, you will never leave us, nor will you forsake us. Lord, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on the law he meditates Day and night. How blessed is the man who hopes in the Lord. God, we give you today. We praise you for today. Lord, help us not to be parrots just repeating the same thing over and over again. Help us to be people who trust in your word, look to your word, pray your word, and expect to hear You from Your Word. You've already given us the answers, objectively and practically and specifically. Help us to seek those with our whole heart and trust in You that You'll give them to us. We love You and we praise You. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.